Today we have lived a good life, having taken the opportunity to come to this center and hear the Dharma and practice the Dharma. We've made good use of our time. In doing so, we've undertaken the precepts to purify our speech and behavior so that we're not acting in ways that cause ourself and others uh, distress. And we've also undertaken the practice to purify the mind of the tormenting states of mind by developing mindfulness. And this is the second of the trainings in the Noble Eightfold Path. And in addition to that, we've also been practicing vipassana or trying to understand the way things are, that they arise and they pass away, they're impermanent. And this is the path to purify our understanding, the third training of the Noble Eightfold Path. And when you stop and think about it, what more could we do in the course of a single day towards bettering our life, cultivating wholesome qualities of mind as much as possible, and to live in harmony with one another and to experience some calming effect being in seclusion from distraction and beginning to understand both by listening to the Dharma and reading the Dharma and practicing the Dharma, really uh, developing or enhancing our wisdom capacity of mind. And this is, this is a good way to spend our time. It really is beneficial to our life and to the extent that we benefit from being here and the work we do, then everyone that we share life with will also receive the benefit of our understanding our calmness and our restraint in speaking and acting in uh, non-harmful ways, non-harming ways. So even though it seems like, or it may seem like we're just being pretty self-centered and self-absorbed in uh, our practice, our practice is really a great gift that we offer others because to the extent that we're better we better ourselves, we improve our own mind, then we can understand others. We can be more patient, more tolerant, and we can also help them with their suffering. So in this way, this practice is a very compassionate thing to do for ourselves and for all beings. It's traditional in this practice to share all the benefit of our practice today with others. And frequently we call to mind our parents without whom which we'd never have this opportunity to hear the Dharma. And even though we may have had challenging, difficult times with them, nevertheless, they gave us the gift of a human birth and the um, opportunity to hear and practice the Dharma. So may they, wherever they are, whether they're living or deceased, may they too share in the merits and the benefits of the practice we've done today. And then to recall our friends and family members and Dharma companions, 
may they too all share in the benefit of the practice we've done today. In fact, may all beings everywhere share in the merit and the benefit of the practice that we have collectively done today. And may this practice, these practices that we've undertaken be the cause and the condition for all beings everywhere to be able to live in harmony and to live with awareness and to be free of suffering. Anichavata Sankara Upadavaya Damino Upakitua Niruchanti Te Sam Upasamo Suko. All conditioned things are arising and passing away. Understanding this deeply brings the greatest happiness, which is peace. first went to practice with Saito Utejaniya. And it's a, I think it's a, could be a helpful, helpful recounting for you because like many of you, I had done years of practice before going to practice in this way. Uh, I started practice here at, in the States in 1975 with the first three-month course that was up in Maine, Bucksport, Maine before they even had this place. So I was practicing in uh, the Americanized form of the Burmese tradition of the Mahasi Sayadaw lineage. Mahasi Sayadaw was the Burmese monk that started teaching lay people and from which we get the idea of doing retreats like this. And um, the formality of the practice in that tradition is, you know, pretty you know, very rigorous, energetic observation of the rising and falling of the breath, of the belly as you breathe in and out. Uh, Very slow walking, microscopic movements, noting everything with as much precision and as continuity as you can. And it's just is a really very uh, powerful technique for uh, cultivating continuity and developing insight. So I'd been practicing in that tradition for 30 years, uh, both here in the States with different uh, teachers and uh, in Burma with Sayadaw Upandita, Mahasi Sayadaw's successor. And it is what I'd been teaching for about 10, 10, or, 10 or 12 years, maybe also teaching in that tradition. So I had a pretty strong understanding and practical experience and commitment to that form of practice, that technique and that form and that understanding of practice. But I had met Sayadaw Utejaniya's teacher, the Shui Yumin Sayadaw, when I'd been in Burma as a monk. And I'd heard that he taught something different and I was inquiring and then somewhere in the early 2003 or four, I heard about uh, the possibility of 
practicing with the Shweyumin Saido's successor, which is Saido Utejaniya. So, <clears throat> as it goes in the Burmese traditions, you kind of you kind of get identified with a certain tradition. So, before I could go see Saido Utejaniya to practice with him, I went to see my teacher, my other teacher, Saido Upandita, who I'd practiced been practicing with for at that point twenty years. So I said, uh, you know, I've heard that there's this teacher who teaches mindfulness of mind, Chitanupasana. And I'd like to learn how to, how to do that or how to teach that because I knew how to really practice mindfulness of mind, but I didn't know how to teach it. And um, I wasn't asking Sayadaw Upandita for permission. That's too much to ask for. But I told him I was going and asked for his advice. And uh, so he said, well, if you want to know how to practice Chitanupasana, you must go to someone who teaches that and you must practice with them with full faith, diligently. So I considered that permission. <laughs> and uh, so I went to the Shweyumin Meditation Center to see Utejaniya. So when I got there, Alexis was there, actually. He was there as a monk, ordained at the time, practicing. And a few others, uh, Westerners, not too many, but a few. And um, I got there, and in this monastery, wow, everybody's walking around, holding hands, talking in groups of five or six, really uproarious laughter, talking, and nobody was following a schedule of sitting and walking, and it was just chaotic. And, and my judging mind just said, what in the world is going on here? This can't possibly be practice center. How am I going to practice? It's so noisy and... My God, they were dogs, and it's just, it was, well, my mind was really making me miserable. <laughs> but I said, I really want to learn how to do this, so I went and got my instructions from Sairu Tezhaniya, and uh, like you, he just hands you this, at the time, it was a little blue book, the, the defilement book, and um, said, read this, and uh, gave me the, you know, 20-minute wrap on his practice, and come see me, and it in a couple of days. So I went to see him, and in the Mahasi tradition, and with Upandita, where I'd been practicing for so many years, there's a very regimented, a very formulaic way that you do your reports. When you go to talk to your teacher, you tell them about the rising, and how you noted it, and what you experienced. You talk about the falling of the abdomen, how you noted it, what you experienced, and anything else has to be put in a very formulaic um, way of talking about your experience. So I, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. So I went to Sadhu Tejaniya and gave a traditional report from this other tradition. And he, he'd seen many people like me come from another tradition to his tradition, and so he knew. So he kindly kind of corrected me and kind of pointed me in the right direction. And lucky, luckily for me, I was, uh, it was before he was too busy and he could spend a lot of time with me because I needed it. I was really, <laughs> I was really pretty stiff-minded about the kind of practice I'd been doing. Because, you know, you do something for 30 years, you got an investment in it. It's, it's, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty thick in the mind. But uh, his translator, Matat Mushimi, 
was very patient in answering all my questions and I had a lot of time you know like every other day I could speak with him for half hour 45 minutes so he gave me a lot of attention so that I'd learn but even with all of that it took me at least 10 days before I even understood what he was talking about 10 days of just hearing it you know over and over and reading the book over and over to, to figure out how it was different and how to do it with some confidence. So after I had reported to him my third time, I'd gone and I'd reported, this is what I noticed, this is, this is the object, the rising, the falling, the lifting, the moving, the placing of the walking. These are the other objects, the mental states that I noticed, the sensations in the body that I noticed, the different qualities of mental activity, thoughts, feelings, things like that. And I reported on them as, this is the object, this is how I noted it, this is what I experienced, this is what happened to it. After three times of reporting to him like that, he sent Matet, the translator, to see me. And she said, uh, Sayadaw wants to know why you're talking about all those objects in your meditation. Like, that's all I ever was allowed to talk about in for the previous 30 years. She said, she said he doesn't want to know what you're, it's not important what you're paying attention to. What's important is what your awareness is doing, how aware you are. And I was just like, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> I couldn't, I just did, couldn't get it, couldn't get the language at all. It's just like, I didn't know how to talk about awareness. I know how to talk about objects and what happened to those objects. So I was in a tizzy, I was in a real fit. Uh, to, to try to figure out how to practice mindfulness of mind when I'd been practicing differently for so long. And uh, I know I, I mean, it wasn't like I was practicing bad or wrong, I just wasn't practicing in that way. So, and I really wanted to learn. So, <clears throat> as you know, or no, probably don't know, unless you practice with him, Sayadaw doesn't give much technique. He doesn't say, observe the breath, or note this, or he doesn't do that. He always talks about how you understand your practice. How do you understand it? What's, what's going on? How, how's your awareness? How do you understand what your experience is? What do you understand about yourself from this experience? And really hard to shift language from talking about objects and techniques to just talking about awareness and what you know about your experience. Nevertheless, I did the best I could. I was really stumbling. And uh, finally, after, I don't know, a week or a week or so, I, I got so fed up with my, <laughs> my inability or my seeming, just, I just couldn't get it, that I said to myself, okay, whatever I have learned before as a technique in meditation, you know, the noting, the tending to the breath, the labeling of experience, the sitting up straighter if you feel tired, opening your eyes if you're sleepy, uh, walking for an hour, sitting for an hour, whatever. All those techniques, I just said, anytime I find myself reaching for a technique to deal with my experience, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do any technique. That was so hard because I, I, I realized that everything I was doing was technique. And I, I mean, it wasn't just a technician. I really was practicing well, but it was using 
I mean, we have so many skillful means and we've all heard so many techniques for dealing with every kind of physical uh, discomfort and mental defilement. We just know so many, we've just gotten so much advice. And I just had to say, say, every time that my mind wanted to use a technique, I would just say, no. How's the awareness now? You know, am I aware of this? What am I aware of? You know, and just try to turn my mind towards awareness rather than techniquing on an object. And it took, uh, that was after about, you know, a week or 10 days. And then it took another week before I finally kind of broke the habit of all my prior practice experiences being just in control and where I could actually, uh, after two weeks, could actually begin to feel like, okay, I, I get it. I'm kind of, I felt a little more confident that I was actually doing Chetanupasana or mindfulness of mind rather than my old familiar um, Mahasi method of technique. So I, I, I mention all this because many of you have practiced in different traditions or maybe no traditions, but many traditions and have all these you know, techniques and resources and things that have worked for you in the past. And it's not to say that they're not valuable and they're not good or they're not useful. They are. But to give yourself the full benefit of hearing the kind of practice that we're teaching, just notice how much you resort to them and see if you can kind of shift your uh, effort towards practicing in the way that we're, we're talking about it. Now, the interesting thing was, when I was there that first time, there was this young Czech couple from the Czech Republic. And uh, the young girl was maybe in her mid-twenties, and the young guy was maybe in his late-twenties. And they were quite new to practice. They'd only been there for a month or two. And she was having a hell of a time. She was just suffering something terrible. She was sleeping, you know, 12, 15 hours a day. She'd wake up, she could go sit for 10 minutes maximum. Her body was killing her. Her mind was driving her crazy. She was so impatient. She was just having a miserable time. And so I would listen in to the reports, because Sayadaw likes to have you listen in to other people's reports so you can learn more about his way of working with you know, different practice situations. So I was sitting in listening to her and I just felt so, so much compassion for her. She was just having a difficult time. And I thought, man, she really needs to hear a talk on the hindrances and how to work with them. But I said, you know what, I'm not, uh, I mean, I got I to I talks on the hindrances, <laughs> how to work with them, but I'm not here to teach anybody anything. I'll just let her suffer and I'll just listen. I'm here to learn myself. So uh, I practiced, uh, I think I was there six weeks, practiced six weeks and I left and I went back each year after that for some time. Well, I think it was about a year and a half before I got back there that time. And when I went back, that Czech woman was there again. You know, I was really surprised. You know, she was there practicing. So I said to her, I said, wow, you're back. And she said, yeah, yeah, I was here a couple of years ago. I said, yeah, I know, I saw you here before. I said, how was it for you? You know, what was it like when you left here? And she said, oh, that was the best practice of my life. It was so good. You know, and I was thinking it was miserable for her. You know, and she said, 
What she said was, I learned so much about myself and so much about practice. I mean, she was suffering. She was clearly not having an easy time of it. But she learned about practice and she learned about herself enough so that she really wanted to come back. Now she's there all the time. They're, they're, they're there now even. Or maybe I've just left to take Saira to Czech Republic. But even, I, I, I mention it because we can't judge ourselves, our own practice, or someone else's practice by how much suffering you're doing. You, know, you can really be suffering. You can really be having an awful difficult time with your body, your mind, the instruction, not understanding and whatnot. But you keep trying. You keep doing the best you can and you will learn. You can't help but learn about yourself and about how to practice. And if you take the long range view of things, you're not trying to get something today or tomorrow, or, or maybe even not trying to get something really valuable, this retreat. But you just take the long range view that I'm just going to do this. You know what? I got the rest of my life, lives, <laughs> and you'll get it. You'll get it. So I mention it because a lot of practice is just about persevering. Just persevering, gently, patiently, putting up with what's coming up, and then just keep, keep trying. And um, in time, you'll see that it really does have a pretty transformative effect on your uh, understanding of practice and the way you practice and your understanding of yourself. So, thank you for your practice today. It was good. It was nice to have you around and see you practicing. And you can take some rest now and recharge your batteries. And we'll meet again in the morning to have another sitting, do the chanting, and we can begin again. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.